Hey friends, welcome to the League of Josh podcast. In today's episode, Sam Taylor Parks and I discuss comic books, tied into religion a little bit, and the hero's journey. After completing the last episode that I recorded, I completely forgot to wipe my SD card, so Sammy and I only got about half an hour in before the SD card filled up, and so we completely lost the the latter hour of the conversation. So after that, we decided to keep on filming and kind of see what we were, where we could get. We tried to rehash a little bit of stuff, but tried to go a little bit differently as well because we didn't want to talk about the same stuff over again. So we missed a lot of valuable stuff, but I still really enjoy the conversation. A little bit crushed that we missed out on what we talked about, but hopefully you guys enjoy it. Thanks. Enjoy. All right. So start off, um, favorite favorite superhero. Actually, let's go favorite Marvel superhero, then we'll go DC later. Oh, boy. Oh, wait, well, it was tough. I have to... Like when I was younger, I was always like a, I was a Spider-Man guy, which is like incredible, like so overpowered for like being like a teenager pretty much. But now like after watching all the movies, I gotta be a Thor, Thor guy, especially seeing like his progress and growth mentally through all of his movies and now just being a big old badass. I just, I can't think of it. It's only Thor. Just so cool. His uh, even just the quality of the movies. He was such a dark horse Avenger. Coming out of it was like pretty pretty decent movie, pretty average, then a pretty shitty movie, and then just the greatest Marvel, in my opinion, the greatest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to date for Pro- sure. Probably I, I would put it on par with Infinity War. Actually, I mean just because of the scale of Infinity War, it was like obviously ranked a little bit higher. But to me, Ragnarok was just the perfect combination of comedy and pure badassery yeah like infinity war was incredible but it was almost like too much was going on we're like ragnarok they just kind of nailed it yep and it really did yeah i honestly think it was like the humor that really helped out too like just just the little things that director is just a god he is unbelievable yeah his uh his his cameo as krog was (laughs) probably my favorite part of the movie (laughs) oh yeah ah yeah you rode the hammer Hammer rode you on your oh, back. Oh my gosh, you got pulled off by a hammer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Seems like it's uh you lost a it's the comp- comparable to uh, the loss of a loved one. Fuck what it yes, yeah, yes it is. I don't want to make the, the ears of the listeners bleed with my <laughs> New Zealand impressions, but yeah, that was really good. He uh he did he did another mockumentary called What We Do in the Shadows, and it's just like making fun of the the casual blue collar life of vampires. Nice. And it's just so funny. They're like super duper old vampires, like 18th century vampires that are living in. A, they like share rent and stuff. No, oh, it's great. <laughs> they run into wolves and they have like wolf fights. No, oh, it's that's a, that's a really good movie. But uh, on the, on the point of Spider Man, yeah, just such an OP superhero. Spidey senses makes him basically invincible, and he just jokes around all the time. The only time he ever gets caught out is when he gets serious about something. And I feel like that's why everyone always goes for his loved ones is because first thing they go for a loved one, you get to catch him out. But yeah. if, but if he, he gets to mess around and just jump around and shit and he, like, he's going to win. Oh yeah. Like just pretty much being a teenager. Yeah. Enjoying life just and an just idiot. kicking ass. Yeah. He's an idiot. And then he gets smashed by a giant pipe and he's like, Oh, well, I guess I'll just get up from this one. <laughs> oh, that would hurt. But <laughs> yeah. And like, especially how the movies have gone, like the first ones with Tobey Maguire, you could say we're a little more serious. Yeah. And then to, I believe it was Andrew Garfield, a little, a little more comedic. 
And then finally with, uh, I don't even know the newest guy's name, Tom something, I think. Tom Middle? No, that's Loki. Middleson is Loki. Um, yeah. um, but and it was just younger, yeah. just super innocent, like innocent humor kind of thing. And I, th- I love it. I love the new ones. Um, I think it's a great, they went a great way. And also with like, with uh, Tony Stark kind of being his mentor. Yeah. And just having like that kind of, like you're able to compare with the old ones to, to that movie. But at the same time, it's so, it's completely different. Yeah. Phase two of Marvel is going to be so cool. It's, it's kind of absurd how they have three phases planned out. And this is, it's just tailing off at phase one right now with Endgame coming out. It's just pretty absurd to me the the scale that they've already imagined, and I mean, obviously they have the the will, the they have the ability to do that, just because of how many comic books there are. Yeah, like you can literally yeah. do. They can just go anywhere. They have hundreds of comics for like a plethora of the the heroes, so you can just standalone movies, like whatever you want, just infinite movies. Yeah. honestly, but like they. It's something that like they have so much they can do, but they do it so well too. Yeah, like there's it's a good combination of like there's a bit of darkness in it, but it's also like you can go like Captain Marvel was like PG, so yeah. you could take your kids there and it wouldn't be anything too bad. But so they just like managed to hit every single like viewing age, where like anybody can go and actually enjoy the movie. Like a younger person might not understand what's going on, but there's lots of explosions and fighting and cool stuff so it's just a super cool stimulating superhero movie for yeah. any kids and then yeah, yeah there, there are definitely some movies that are much more dramatic and much more comedic yeah and much more horrific i think i think thor is probably thor is probably for an older audience yeah, uh, yeah for sure the latter captain americas were pretty older audience and then i think that's the cool thing like we just watched ant-man and the wasp and that was that's one that would be more tailored towards kids yeah for but, sure I think the, I think the way that they jump between. J- just how comical it would be fighting, an ant or a wasp, like yeah. or someone in that situation, you just, you just like swing a hammer around and like hoping to hit something, and it, yeah. like they'll zoom it out and like cue the music off, and it's just someone randomly swinging, which is just hilarious to watch. But, yeah, they they definitely they nail it quite a bit, especially Paul Rudd is just a god in that oh, role, gosh. super underrated. Just, just Super like, underrated. Just, just seems like a non-superhero kind of guy, but just fits the role so perfectly. Yeah, and like it's nice to see, like even in Emma and the Wasp, like they're in like a pretty, seems like a heated situation, all tied to chairs, and his daughter calls him. She's like, "Hey man, nine one one, like, can I answer it?" Yeah, and like they actually let him. So like it's supposed to be like a hostage situation, and yet it's still like oh, he's a family guy. We know we'll let him. Yeah, FaceTime his daughter. So it's just, I I think it's just so awesome how they are able to do that. Even with Captain Marvel, I think it's very much a younger audience. Like nothing too, uh, like with the fighting scenes, nothing too graphic. You know, lot, lots of stuff like with kids in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like a lot more young, like younger actors. Yeah, and like, I don't know, I would say like maybe like with the bright lights or something. Like it seems very like... I don't even know how to say it, but I just, uh, I saw, there's a comment someone made. It was like this girl and her dad were walking out and she's like, dad, when I'm older, I want to glow just like that lady. Oh. And he's like, you already oh. do, sweetheart. Oh my like, God. I, I just saw those. It was just like, they just, that's so perfect. My heart. Just yeah, like, that was. Like she's just an idol for like 
yeah. so many people. Really, really cool to have like a female lead that just kicks absolute ass. Like a strong female lead. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That was really, really cool. That was a really good movie. Oh, that's so good. So uh, how do you think Endgame's going to go? Oh, well, with all the theories, it's tough. Like, you know, in um, uh, I believe it was Infinity's War uh, mid-credit scene, like they show uh, Ant-Man popping up and he was supposed to have like disappeared. So that makes you think like, oh, well, is he safe in the quantum realm? Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Doctor Strange dissipated. Theoretically, like well, we watched it, but didn't yeah. really disappear. Um, and so like you think, well, the quantum realm involves time. Is that going to be like a new route going through there to save everybody? Because obviously with this final movie, not every, they're going to have to somehow bring people back. I just yeah. don't think it can just be like the final like six or whatever that are left. I definitely think they're going to have to like go back and f- go back in time, you know, switch something to make it's like going to be something super small, mm-hmm. but then it's just going to change the entire future, which I think is like how strange when he viewed oh, 16 million, 605 different outcomes. I think he like saw what was going to happen. And so he was like, you know, we're going to lose this round, but we're going to find a way like in the future. And they just kind of set themselves up for that. Yeah. I believe that I think that was the coolest thing. Like the whole end game idea, just, well, there's one way that we can win this and it's not going to feel like a win at all, but in the end, it's going to be the best case scenario. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably going to be, I assume it's going to be something similar to a game of Thrones where I'm, I don't think it's going to end in a way that totally stokes everyone out, but it's going to end in a way that's like, well, that was probably best case. Yeah. But I, I definitely think all the all the original Avengers just like kind of have to die or go away. Yeah. I mean, ideally retirement, but I just think there, there are Avengers that are, that like um, their role is just kind of over. I yeah. don't think Steve Rogers, his, like the girl that he loved is dead. He doesn't really have anyone anymore. I think he's like totally done. I would really like to see Thor as part of Guardians. I yes. think he had a really, really cool relationship with uh, Groot and Rocket. Yeah. And I think that 100%. would be unreal. I think that would be super duper cool. Yeah. And even like, it's kind of with uh, Captain America, like, he was very much at the beginning, he was like the guy. Yeah. But like they very slowly, like Infinity War, he was still like the captain, but he wasn't really the main focus of the movie. Like they focused a lot more on what, like Tony Stark, Iron Man was doing up mm-hmm. in space. So it's like they're like, hey, this guy's like, he's important. Like, we got to think about this guy. As Stark's like 1v1 Thanos actually holding his own kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, I definitely think uh, like Captain America, his his ending of it will be, I don't know if it'll be like him dying or if he just kind of, like you said, goes into retirement, kind of fades away. But I think like Iron Man's going to have a, bang of an end like either he's gonna be like dead or just something's gonna happen that's big because i feel like he's just always in those big moments yeah like og infinity gauntlet the comics um captain america is the one that wields the infinity gauntlet but i think that they're gonna change it up i think that tony's gonna wield the infinity gauntlet in the end and i think he's gonna be the snap guy or i mean it could be captain america and that's how he dies because you have to be like absurdly powerful to hold the infinity gauntlet yeah but i think that anyone anyone that died during the 
the snap is going to come back. I think okay. I think Bucky is going to become the new Captain America. Because I, I mean, I mean that's like what happens in the comic books as well. Is it like it just water falls down? Oh, okay. It's like little puddles where it's like, not puddles, but it, it's like a stream that has little pools, kind of like the chakra system where, like, it'll be Steve Rogers and then it'll be Bucky and then whoever else and like the character sticks around, but who who represents the character changes. Oh, okay. There there's so many different, like even like the the spider spider verse. Yeah, the spider verse. Yeah, like that that's really similar to what the comics are. Is that they're just. Oh, cool. tons of in DC they do that with um, Superman. One of the like one of, there was a graphic novel for Superman, and it was like a, after the death of Superman, there were three Supermans. One was like a Mecha Superman. One was a guy who made his Superman suit, kind of like a Bruce Wayne thing, and then one was a cyborg. And there's this, uh, and his whole thing is like, yeah, I don't kill people, kind of similar to Batman or whatever. Um, and so he, he apprehends this guy, and the guy's like, oh, okay, Superman, like, take me to jail. He's like, oh, no, like, Superman's dead, man. He just punches a hole through his chest. Oh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, brutal. But I think that's what's going to, like, slowly happen with the Marvel Universe as well. I mean, there are people that can't be, like, Tony Stark. Like, Iron, there's nobody else for Iron Man yeah. besides Tony Stark. Yeah. Nobody's going to take that role. But I think that, I think Steve Rogers would pass that along to Bucky. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that would be a cool... Pretty cool finish for that. Just like gives him the shield. Yeah. It's like, it's your turn now. Yeah. And then just you see him like kind of walk away. Be dope. Just disappears. I can see like him and like Romanoff just kind of like, all right, we're just leaving. Yeah. Because like they just always seem to be like sticking together. Like even in the endgame trailers, just like those two are like running things and they're just like trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So I definitely think they like they might stick together and just kind of retire themselves and disappear. Mm hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with Vision as well. Yeah. Because I think that in the com- similar thing happens in the comics where he... And then he basically becomes this gray, bleak, lifeless Vision where it's not really his personality anymore, but they get enough of him to reinstate his consciousness. But he's just like very, very pragmatic and super calculated and uh. just not really a human being anymore. He's just a robot kind of. So yeah, it's it, it'll be sad to see that if that's yeah. if that's the reality they go with that, but that's always a possibility. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think though, like in Endgame, like after watching Captain Marvel a couple times, uh, Monica, like Carol's best friend's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I honestly think she's gonna play some sort of part in this, cause like just the way she's like, you know. I'm going to build something. I'm going to create a ship. I'm going to, when I grow older. Yeah. And that was. Oh, um, like Rambo's daughter. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just like, I honestly think she's going to play a big part in this because what that was like in like 95. It's like she's going to be older now. And if she survived the, uh, the snap, the snap, then like, I, I think she's going to play a big part. I don't know what, like, but cool. I think when Carol like comes back, when she gets the call, I think she's going to find her and she's, she's going to be like, Kind of like a Hawkeye, just like some badass with some sort of weapon. Yeah. That's just like human, but not really human. I mean, that, that just happens all the time in the any superhero universe, which is absurdly cool. There yeah. just ties everywhere. I think that's the most interesting part about it is that you just see so much foreshadowing. So much. And it's just so, so cool. I think that's what I really liked about um, Gotham, the... Yeah, the, like Batman prequel show where it's like 
features Gordon as he rises through the ranks as a tech detective and like young young Bruce Wayne is getting molded into Batman. Yeah. Just seeing all of the all of the origin stories going through and like hearing Nigma's name and having having all the like him as the Riddler and there's just so much foreshadowing throughout the whole show. You're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. And it's cool to see the people that are initially good slowly turn bad and you kinda you like a really merry uh, girl that wrote Frankenstein, Mer- Meryl Shelley, something around those lines. Um, I, th- I think it's Mary. It's Mary something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get a really similar perspective where you get to see them. You get to see their fall from grace, and you're like, oh well, that's kind of shitty that they end up doing all this awful stuff. But uh, like, you can kind of yeah. you, you get to empathize with them. I always, I also thought that was the best part of Infinity War. Was the fact that it was basically just a Thanos movie, and you got to see the whole progression of Thanos as yeah. not a bad guy, like he, he's obviously evil, but you through, could, throughout like, the thing you get you to could, empathize and sympathize yeah. because it kind of forces you to. Because he's like, no, I had the opportunity to. He's like, I, I, he, he sympathized with everyone else, and he's like, I know that you guys think that I'm bad, but I've seen what happens, and I know, I know the, pro, I know the progression that's going to happen if I don't do the snap. And I know, like, I've been in your shoes before, and I would have thought that I was evil, but I know that this is necessary. Oh, that's so crazy. And, like, the the whole Gamora thing, that was super-duper cool, how he, that he was... does the sacrifice. She's like, oh, like, what did it cost? Everything. It's like, wow, this guy's actually doing it for, quote-unquote, the greater good. Yeah. But it doesn't seem that way because yeah. we, like, the whole time. That would, it would be cool to see it from the only Avengers perspective because it's like... Oh, this guy's evil. It's like the emperor from Star Wars. But yeah. if you start to take perspective, like look into different perspectives and stuff, you're like, actually, you know what? No, he's a uh, he. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. Yeah, and it's like it, it like makes you think like like it actually could save the universe. Mm-hmm. Like for a while, like like all the previews of. The new Endgame trailer just came out. It just shows everything's just dark. Like there's power outages because like nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. Like half the population is gone. But like after like they rebuild. Like just think like Tokyo's thirty million people in a city. Cut that in half. Look at that. So much space. That's yeah. like just so much everything. So like, it's like you don't want to agree with what he's doing, but like he could actually be saving the universe, just doing it in a very genocide type way yeah. very bad like there's merit to it that's yeah. the worst part about it that's yeah. like that's the part that makes you empathize it's like oh well i kind of understand it it would the like even the way things are going right now if we could cut the population in half and just like that would make meat production grind to a halt basically like then you then we could have free range cattle and stuff because we would yeah. have to be feeding an extra four billion people yeah there are just lots of positives to it, but obviously it's not. But Bill, I actually listened to Bilber's. He did a comedy act on how to how he would do the population, how he would re just like break down the population. He's like, you know what? Just take cruise ships down. I'd be a dictator, and I would just blow up oh, cruise gosh. ships. It's like, who goes on a cruise ship that you're gonna miss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking mean... awesome. It's really really funny. But yeah, he's like, we just have too many people, and it's. I mean, it's true. We're going to have to become more and more sustainable. We're actually learning about that in 
we're learning about that in our sociology of food classes, like how to how to develop a more sustainable agriculture system. And one of it is um, like horizontal farms. And it's just basically office buildings with um, huge racked rotators that have, they like get the perfect amount of UV. They use like 5% of what a normal farm would use for hydro. They grow things way faster. Wow. You don't have to be concerned about parasites because you're just growing in a building. Wow. Okay. It's absurd. It's so, so cool. And you just have that. And that also cuts down um, shipping costs as well. Yeah. Because that's a huge part of it. It's not It's not just um, not just actually growing stuff, but it's getting stuff places. Because that's what costs the most is using like trains and boats and cars and trucks. It would be way better if you just... Every, every single urban center gets two or three of these vertical farms. And then you just get to grow shit. And then everyone just gets to go there and buy their food. And it it'd like just cut emissions as well, like yeah. trucks and everything. Wow, that's actually it's like genius. It's kind of like Inception, like mm. the whole like circular, like almost donut shaped place where they have to live, but like the fields just like go all the way around for like constant sunlight. Yeah, just like that kind of view. But I don't think we'll ever get to that stage. At least not in our lifetime. One day, I don't know, man. the The exponential growth of technology is pretty absurd. It, like, it, yeah, it a, is a year a year ago, the idea of walking on the moon was like there's no way there was just no way anybody was going into space and now we're about to go to mars no now we're going to mars we're gonna go to a barren wasteland next we're gonna go to the sun (laughs) somehow (laughs) we'll just go at night it'll be (laughs) fine (laughs) sun goes down (laughs) oh man well it's like uh I saw something on the internet. Of course, you know, the internet, you can't really trust it. But like, they're like, oh yeah, there's like water on Mars. But it's like, what if there's actually life on Mars? And like what we're doing, just slowly killing the planet. Like that happened on Mars. So there's still a little bit of water there, but like, it's at the stage where it's like pretty much inhabitable. And like, whatever, just like beings or whoever just moved on kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's a pretty far-fetched theory. I don't really, it's not a whole lot behind it. But like, that's just kind of crazy if there's like just that little bit of water cycle. What if is that the beginning? Is that like the end? Yeah. Like you just don't really know. Well, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I was watching a video that he did on how life got created on Earth. And one of his ideas was that meteors hit Mars while there was life on Mars. Those shards of Mars shot into the atmosphere or shot into the universe and like just hit Earth. Like just a constant. The the idea is basically that meteors, like a meteor shower goes through the solar system, hits a bunch of planets, and then all the planets just get to interchange rocks. And that's just kind of how life formed was that one planet had rocks potentially, and then those rocks hit another planet, or like those rocks hypothetically hit Earth, and the the conditions were perfect enough to cultivate life. Um, I was watching that strange rock show, Will Smith blew my mind in half um so basically within the core of the earth nickel and iron are they create a giant magnet they create a magnetic field around the earth that shields us from solar flares and that's why mars wasn't able to sustain life like even if they did sustain life for a certain amount of time and they had an atmosphere they didn't have this and that's what the aurora borealis is okay is that solar flares hitting mars or hitting earth it's it's us, it's, but we basically have a force field. We have a magnetic force field around us that cool. protects us from solar flares. 
I mean, if there's a solar flare that's big enough, it'll wipe out all of the technology that we have, like completely, which is absurd. Yeah. But just super duper cool. Um, so yeah, the idea is that Mars just didn't have that. So they just got slowly worked over by solar flares, which also creates a lot of radiation. Okay. Yeah. That's actually, that makes a lot of sense. Right? And it's so cool. Yeah, a little bit of astronomy I took, that really makes sense. <laughs> Any, oh, that, that show blew my mind like nine ways. It's just so well done. Really, really informative. Yeah. Really, really well done. Super trippy to watch. Like watching some of the, the shots that they do is like, oh my God, that's amazing. This guy's incredible. <laughs> the uh, that episode they talked about the um, like the the external perspective of astronauts, and how once you go to space, you develop this different perspective of Earth, and you see it as a whole. So, well, that's a dagger. Whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, stuff. Three, two, one, go. Um, I think where we finished off was talking about um, the external perspective developed by astronauts when they go into space. Yeah. And but that's just a super cool perspective to get where it completely alleviates the idea of borders because those are just socially constructed things. Yeah. So the idea that we're not a bordered, we're a bordered world, but instead we're just like one collective. And I, I think they made a really cool point, actually. Like one of the quotes they had was um, the only window, the only window that you can actually hang out at in the ISS faces Earth. And then, but then there are other windows. You have to go outside of the space, the ISS, to actually see, like, the dark void nothingness. Huh. Yeah. Which was super duper cool. Yeah, it's like they, they're like, no, we want you to look at Earth. Yeah. You want to check at that. Yeah, like, cool that, that's the focus. We're, yeah. we're, here to, we're, we're here to work on that instead of, like, we're here to explore space. But, no, we're, we're here to, to look inward and see how we can further ourselves and further develop our own society. Yeah. And it's like so cool that they, you see it as this, like, no, there's no borders. Like when I was a kid, I was like, so is there like, when you go to the States, is there like a wall? I, I thought the same thing. Like, I was, I was, there was there like a wall, wall there. Um, I was watching a comedy skit. Uh, I forget who it was. Some Aussie guy, just mm. absolutely hilarious. He's like, you're going to get the Americans coming up and you're going to, Canada's going to build a wall. That's going to be like three feet tall. <laughs> Because Americans are going to be so sick and dying. They're just not going to be able to climb over this three-foot wall. And it's just like like that it's just like that idea like, oh, yeah, there's a wall there. When in reality, you could walk across the border so easily. Yeah. Because it's like it's nothing. You just walk across a field. The only actual border spots are on roads or highways. Yeah. It's just like there's really nothing there. Like I always thought there was a wall, but no, there's nothing there. No. It's just like you that, just that's, think there's something there. That's the absurd thing of the, the proposition of building a wall. It's like... If you're gonna build a wall across an entire, you're if you're if you're gonna sanction off a continent, basically, you're gonna to have to build a pretty fucking big wall. I mean, not a continent, I guess, but if if you're if you're cutting a continent in half, yeah, that's gonna be a huge wall, and it's gonna either be billions to make or it's gonna be a really shitty wall. Yeah, like what uh, Trump's doing. Like, I actually don't even know what the wall looks like. But there's, there's just no way. Like, like, there's just no feasible way to do it. Yeah. And it's just like, I never realized how big Mexico is. It's actually mm-hmm. a fairly big country. Yeah. And it used to be huge. Like, all of California used to be Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until pretty much, uh, I forget the exact year, but the states were like, were like, hey, this is really good land to have. And they just pretty much like posted their men right on the border. To entice the Mexicans to come and like 
kind of fight them off. Yeah. So they're like, oh, they started war against us. So really? They, so they, yeah. So they just took the land. And of course, wow. like, rah, rah, USA. Hey, we got to go. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what we learned in history class. They're just like, yeah, no, let's go fight these people. They're trying to take our land. But it's like, in reality, the states posted men right on the border. So the so Mexico would be like, we got to go, like, defend. And in reality, they're like, hey, now we can attack them. Just kind of antagonize them into yeah. starting a war. Wow. Yeah. That's really... and, and now California is part of the states. When we are, like, you go to L.A., it's like, it's crazy. Like, when I was there, it was like all Hispanic, like food, mm-hmm. everything. Like, it was amazing. Like, you think L.A. is fairly close to the border. Yeah. But then there's like Phoenix, which is right down by the border. Yeah. So, it just kind of blows my mind how it's that easy. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, board went from, like, vertical line to, like, oh, nope, now it's just changed. Yeah. Right, this is our land now, sorry. It It's really, really absurd to me how borders are just conceptual things. And even looking at the indigenous population in within Canada and how they were treated and stuff, the only thing that, basically the only thing that separates them from being Mexican is just their history and their past but in terms of aesthetics and stuff like going down there going down there over winter and meeting like going into a truly mexican village community where the people weren't like it wasn't a tourist spot it's actually a place where people live in like just a really really rundown location san felipe but they're like you you wouldn't be able to tell them apart from like the indigenous population in canada like they look the exact same but because they're mexican I actually think that they look differently, but then just looking at it objectively, I'm like, oh no, like they just look like the indigenous population, Canada, Mexican population, looks so so similar, but yeah. just because we've created those borders within our minds, yeah, then we see things a lot differently. Really, it could just be similar people just spread out across the entire continent. Yeah, they're speaking different languages because of that space barrier, right? But there's no actual like border between mm-hmm. them it's just open space so they all could be of the same descent like come from the same people just spread out over time developing new languages but we just kind of created that separation yeah in between like, like oh this is different oh you're different see oh no you're different too it's like no they're probably all the very similar they've just spread out over the years before we got here yeah they were all just created it's the same similar to asia that's yeah that's always the the kind of running joke of any like genocide that happened within Asia is like, oh well, we're just the same, but they're just from a different part of it. So yep. we massacred them. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the just geographically you're in a different spot and then you start to develop new ideologies, new religions, and then from there you just slowly go into this idea that oh no, my my religion's better than yours. Mine's the right one. So Boom. <laughs> they're all like so similar because they're all like kind of derived from the same idea mm-hmm. but then it's like no mine is superior obviously yeah like kind of like the white Aryan we are superior it's like no we're all the exact same yeah bleed the same color we look our organs are pretty much the exact like they're all the exact same I don't know why it's just such a different distinction which is just so frustrating looking at the histories but you just can't change people's minds like that like that easily mm-hmm it's like, it's like no, we look different. We have our different ideas, even though they're from the basic general same thing. 
they are different. So therefore, like ours, it's just a competition kind of thing. Like ours has to be right. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the fear of the unknown, I think, is yeah. always just a terrifying thing within any species and especially human beings. But when it comes down to it, like we were talking about religion earlier, the the whole idea that one religion's better than the other, it's not. They're just all they're all really, really the same and really, really they're different at the same the same at the exact same time. And they're all they're all more or less based on a similar premise. If we bring them back to grassroots ideas that hey, treat people well. That's the that's the goal of all religions is or the majority of religions at least is just treat people well, love yourself, love your family. They're 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 guidelines and steps. And I think that's what institutionalized religion kind of messes up is the idea that these ideas are dogma and we have to follow these ideas or else you're going to go to hell, which I think isn't isn't actually a physical place that you die and go to hell, but if you don't follow these ideology these these like proper ideologies that religions follow and you, you start to go into the, the more of the sins and stuff. I think that's when you start to go into this metaphysical hell. That's not actually hell, but it feels like it. Like that's yeah. a really real place when you start to get depressed and stuff, it feels like you're going to hell. And then if you start to follow these sins and you become envious and I think envy is the envy is the sin that we don't talk about because everybody goes through that. Like Randy jokes about that all the time. He's like male envy, male envy is just such a thing. If anybody does, if you, like, if I throw a ball, someone else has to throw a ball. Yeah. If I throw a ball far, everyone else is picking up a ball. Like, let's see how far I can throw the ball. But through the sins, that's how you get to hell is by comparing yourself to others and um, jumping into pleasures and like gluttony and stuff and overutilizing those things that can give you momentary pleasures, but then yeah. making those a primary thing within your life. And th- that's how you get to hell. And then the way to get out of hell and become a better you and become a better self is to use these religious ideologies that are prescribed through almost all religions, but they're just said a little bit differently. Like Taoism and Zen is a little bit different than Christianity in the sense that Taoism Zen is flow, just allow life to happen as it happens, relinquish control, love those around you. And to be conscientious of other people isn't to live a full life, but you also have to be conscientious of yourself. Like you have to finish, you have to complete the individualization process and love yourself as well as loving other people like that. You can see that stuff flow and bleed into other religions so, so well. But the fact that they're a little bit different just freaks the shit out of people. Yeah. It's what it's just a comparison. Like I find that's like the basis of like a lot of things like, well, like they're doing this. Now I'm doing this, like, and they're doing better. Like, what do I have to do to change when it's, like, not always like this? Like, you just got to figure out who you are, and then you build out of yourself. Because I think that's the biggest thing. Like, people are happier when they know who they are. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're at school, you don't know what you want to take. You're just, you're not going to do as good in class because you're just, like, I don't know if I actually want to be in this class. Yeah. When, but it's when it's, like, you know, you know what you want to do. You know, like, hey, this is, like, my purpose. Like, like I want to help people through being a doctor. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And then you're going to strive for that, which like religion can't help people do that. They can, it can like help them figure out, Hey, this is who I want to be. But in reality, they don't even really have need religion. They just need to look inside themselves and like kind of have like that moment or like point in their life where they're just like, I really need to think about who I am. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has that moment when like they're pretty close to rock bottom. Like they're, they're hurting pretty bad and they just like rethink their life. And then they just like, 
it's like noticeably like an explosion out of that of them growing and building yeah yeah i think i think rock bottom is a necessary place yeah like it just like any other plant any other organism any life form you have to have a solid foundation yeah to grow and i think that i mean we talked about that or fuck i can't believe we lost all yeah. that yeah um, no, it's, it's really tough um <laughs> I'm just having troubles thinking of stuff that we haven't gone over because I don't know what, even what we talked about in the first 27 minutes. But um, so we're just going to talk, and then hopefully we don't go over stuff. But yep. um, that whole that, that whole thing about religion being a multiple step hierarchy of religion being the third step of the hierarchy, where first your mother is the thing that protects you and nourishes you, and then your father, and then from there, there's a middle step between your father teaching you and protecting you and you being able to teach and protect yourself. Yeah. And actually that you make a good point that I think education can be that middle step as well. Yeah. It can be the step where you, you delve into education and through that you develop a personal identity and that's the individualization process. And I think religion's a huge step for that as well, that after your father, you need something to look to and to protect yourself from until you're able to actually individualize yourself enough to go, oh, okay, well, yeah. Now I'm now I'm good. Now I can figure my own stuff out. And there, you can always fall back onto those initial couple steps of like you can always go back to your family. You can always go back to the people that you love and the people that you surround yourself with. And you can always go back to religion. That's always the first thing I do if I ever uh, get into a little bit of a drought or something. Is I just go back to my religious books. Like yeah. not not even necessarily. Religion's a really weird thing to me because I don't think that I wouldn't consider myself a religious person, but I do read different religious ideologies and take a little bit from every single one of them because I think that they're all super utilizable and they're really good at articulating things in different way. Um, reading a lot of Zen literature is like super duper frustrating. It's like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? They're like, to relinquish all control, that is the best policy. To not, to try to control stuff, this is the worst policy. You're like, I would really love a really good analogy. And then, the Bible comes in with like David and Goliath and that's yeah. not a story about some kid whipping another, like a big giant in the head with a stone. That's a story about how people need to face their problems and face things in life that seem way, way bigger than them. And it seems like you're unable to defeat these things. But in reality, as long as you try to defeat these things, it kind of becomes a hero's journey that yeah. even if you fail, then you get to go back later and attempt it again and, the, like that, that which you that which you desire most. Resi- that which you desire most resides in that which you fear most. Like going into the deepest, darkest, darkest depths of yourself is something that's necessary to do to to really develop a self concept. Yeah, yeah, like because like everybody has like those dark things that they just hate that they've done, but it's just realizing that that happened. Like, like there's always stuff that's going to be there. Like you can't just forget. So you just got to, it's like learning from like hiding it to learning to like understanding it, being like, okay, this happened. Now I need to grow from this and like not let it really affect me anymore, but Mm -hmm. realize that this is a part of me. So like you just grow from it and that's just, that's what it's so hard to do. Like, I think that just takes years to do it. But at the start, it's just realizing like I have these moments where it's like, I am truly ashamed of what I did. And it's like, okay, so if I'm ashamed of that, how do I build from that? And it's just like that growth period that, you know, it could be for some people, it could be like when they're in school mm-hmm. or some, it could be like when they're like 50, like you just, you never know when it's going to hit you, but it will hit everybody eventually. Yeah. Like it's just like just seeing people and what they go through. Like I know now is like, 
yeah, some of these things are going to hit me. I'm going to hit rock bottom eventually. Mm. I just know it's going to happen, but I also know that I'm going to be able to build from it. So it's like not a super stressful thing for me. Yeah. Because I know it's like I will find a way to build from it, but it's also like, yeah, this hasn't happened yet. I got a pretty good life. Mm. And, and it always happens. That's the thing is that yeah. it's always, it's always just, it's always coming. Yeah. It's just something you have to realize. Like, it's always, something's always going to come and fuck your shit up. There's no way to avoid it. And a lot of times people don't realize it happening and then it just kind of happens and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. This is rock bottom now. But I, I think, I think the best way to live is just to realize those moments are going to happen and then trying to make them as good as possible. Yeah. I mean, like, everybody goes through death in their family, a loved one dies, uh, injury, whatever. Like, you go through a breakup or something, and then it's just, how do you bounce back? Yeah. How, do you ma- how do you make yourself better from those situations as opposed to dwelling on them for years? And, I mean, that was actually kind of a thing that I realized in Batman is that he's just constantly dwelling on, Always. on Rachel. Yeah. Always. And that... That was like a frustrating thing for me. Like I just wanted to shake Christopher Nolan's Bruce Wayne. I'm like, come on, man. Like yeah. you're this like billionaire. And that, I think that's another cool thing is that Batman illustrates the idea that money money doesn't mean happiness. No. Richest guy in the world. And he needs to he needs to use that he I think that that's actually a good point that it makes is that he tries to use his money to be happy in terms of falling onto Batman, which we talked about earlier, is Batman is his religion. Yeah. It goes, like, he loses mother and father, so he doesn't have a good way of learning uh, the right things to do, and he doesn't yeah. have good nourishment and protection. And Alfred Alfred fills that void, but you can only fill a void so well as someone that's not there to fill that role. Like, he's, he's stepping in as basically a foster parent to fulfill yeah. two roles, and he only fulfills each of them yeah. halfway realistically. And then Batman becomes his religion. And then from there, at the end of his arc, is that that's when he reaches his individualization process. Yeah. Like it's like uh, it's like his mother father stages in his life were cut short, so like he had like that nurturance from his mother. He understands like how to love because mm-hmm. like she expressed that. His father started showing like the ways of life and like that kind of thing, and then it got cut short. And then Alfred did his best, but like it, you, it's you can tell like throughout the movie how like he's just like always plagued. By these things, like barely sleeps, probably just because he's like, why, why sleep when I could just? Because he'll probably see like, and never really express it. But I, I guarantee you he has like just terrible nightmares or just crazy PTSD. Yeah, I, I think that he's paranoid, schizophrenic in the movies. I think yeah, they, I, I, even even the comic books. I think that that's his thing. Is that I think that's why I like DC so much. Is that because they make it so? At least those movies. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't this out of this world crazy person that. That did all the like that was the Joker and that was Bane. Yeah, but it was more realistically put forth that these are just people, yeah. people in a mask, people in makeup, that do these crazy things. And trying to see the movie as more of a realistic thing as opposed to an animated, full of visually stimulating aesthetics. Instead of seeing that, I'm like, oh, these are just crazy people. Like, yeah, Joker is just a psychopath. Bane is just someone who grew up in a different culture and sees the sees the negatives of Western society and capitalism. Yep. Batman, Bruce Wayne is just a paranoid schizophrenic that's trying his best to he's fumbling for meaning and trying to figure out how to make the world as great as possible. And he I think a big thing that is that he kind of sees himself as a god and he kind of deifies he deifies Batman, but then through that he nullifies himself. 
Yeah. And he's like, Batman's awesome and we need Batman, but Bruce Wayne's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And then throughout the movie, he kind of develops a better self-concept. Yeah. Like, he just slowly, like, through, I think, Alfred. Alfred mm-hmm. just being, always being like, hey. Man. Like. What a character. Yeah, like, Dark Knight Rises, he's just always so emotional, just like, I have raised you. This You can be this person, but you're still fighting the past, and so you're still this. And it just, it takes some, I think when Alfred expresses his story as fantasy, and I actually just recently watched a thing where it was like, the ending of the movie, like, he expresses fantasy, then it showed his fantasy of mm-hmm. Bruce with um, Selena Kyle, yeah. aka Catwoman, at in Florence, Italy, but it's like, it, the theory was like, is that actually, was that real? Or did Batman actually die? But it was just... Um, Alfred seeing his fantasy, so he was at peace, just being like, there he is moving on with his life. Yeah. I personally believe that was real. Like, he got out autopilot, and he moved on, and it's like, is happy now. But that's just like a theory. It's like, hey, like, what, did you jump out in the middle of the ocean, swim back or something like that? Like, mm. like there's a lot of, like, places where it's like, hey, what could actually happen? But I believe he moved on and managed to find a new purpose in life. Yeah. Besides... The Dark Knight. That's the... Like, Randy and I were talking about that. The the whole idea of everyone wants to see a comedy. And I think a lot of movies are now creating, like, a comedy within a tragedy. Where you can kind of take it both ways. Like, that's, like, a, a really prime example of that. Is that either that's him... Like, him being a little bit delusional and just hoping and praying for that. And then that's why he sees it. And that's the... That's the tragedy of like, oh, Alfred goes crazy now and just that's how he copes with Bruce dying. But then the comedy is like happy ending. Yeah. Like happy end. Comedy is just like start off bad, gets better. Yeah. And gets better. And then at the end, everyone's happy. And that's, I think that's like a pretty, I, I, I really like the end of that. I, yeah. And I love how they hint at like Robin too. Like mm-hmm. the, he, he finds the cave and it's like, hey, there's a possibility of this moving on. But then nothing happens. It's like, well, will there be another movie? But it's like talking to the characters. I mean, the actors just like, no, I think it was the perfect ending where it showed happiness and like, Hey, there's a possibility here. And then they just leave it at that. It's like, it's a little tease. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like they concluded the story of the three movies Mm -hmm. and they finished it. They showed this, but like they conclude the story. So like it really, they couldn't have gone on much more. It would have had to be completely different. Yeah. With the Robin. Well, even just that whole idea that... um, Actually, I really like that Robin killed those guys. I think that was a funny funny thing that... Like, Batman never kills people, but then Robin yeah. kills those two thugs or whatever. Um, but like we talked about earlier, how throughout those movies, by, by making them 14A instead of rated R or whatever, and you're not seeing explicit violence. Yeah. But through through a lot of hinting... You get to you, your mind gets to create a way cooler reality yeah. than the actual movie. Exact same thing with that, with them hinting off that Robin, like by having a cliffhanger, that's not necessarily a bad thing to end end a movie series with a cliffhanger. Yeah, because you're seeing the super duper. You get to see it in your mind. Yeah, like oh yeah, Robin could do all this cool shit. Like he could even, I mean, he wouldn't take over for Batman because he's literally Robin. But yeah. He, he would get to have his own series. And yeah. you kind of get to play that out through your mind. 
Yeah, it, it would be cool to see because like uh, the TV series they came out with, um, Teen Titans. Yeah, the Teen Titans series. Yeah, shows Robin, and it's like it's a very dark series. Like Robin is has a lot of conflicts of his own. Mm-hmm. You know, being an orphan, like very similar to Batman. Yeah, and how he's, but his conflicts also reside in going to Batman, but then being turned. Well, honestly, basically how Batman was raised, being turned into like a weapon mm-hmm. by the. Um, League of Shadows, Robin goes to Batman, turns into a weapon, and now he's struggling to find a new life after that. Mm-hmm. And he keeps falling back into it through the series. But then realizes like he can help other people who are in similar situations to him, but do it differently than Batman did. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a really cool point. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, was, it was just like, he's like, this is what I went through. It was super unhealthy. I am very messed up. I can do the same thing for these people, but do it better. And in turn, they will be better off after this is all happened. Because usually it ends. The conflict will always end either by somebody dying or just, well, usually by somebody dying. Yeah. Sadly. But yeah. Yeah. And then other people just move on and they would be able to move on better than Batman or Robin. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I'm reading a book on the shockers right now and it made a really cool point about how you have to complete the individualization process before you can start to help people. Mm. And I, I did a little bit of journaling on just the idea that if you, if you try to help people before you're an individual, then it just doesn't really work because you don't really know where you're coming from. You don't have a solidified base. Like you have to have the right to like the first three chakras are earth, water, fire. It's like the right to be the right to feel and the right to act. Yeah. And those things have to, like you have to be able to solidify those before you build any higher. Like you have to have the right to be before you can have the right to feel before you can have the right to act. And if you if you don't know who you are, then you can't really help people. It's like trying to it's it's trying to break other people's molds while you're also molded and in chains. And yeah. I think that superheroes have a really really cool that they show the perspective of the individual of the freak really really well. I think yeah. the person that's breaking the social norms break and that's that's really what a superhero could be boiled down to is just someone that's different just yeah. someone that's broken the mold someone's the not like i would i would use the example in contemporary society of like the person that's just not on their phone all the time yeah just someone that's different someone that's different and everyone thinks that they're just different and cool but it's like no they're just like different different in the way that they've realized that they're different and that's that's also a really lonely path to travel yeah. when you're different than everyone else. And that's what superheroes have to face is that, okay, well, we're different and we don't really even know what we're doing because just because you're different doesn't mean you know. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool point that you make that like Robin realized that he's different and realizes all the faults that he made through becoming different and how, how he could help other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's like... Uh... It's like Pat Henley, and I remember in our first series, just like, like be the best you can be, like in your role before you say anything to anybody else. So like, it's like a middle, like be the best blocker and hitter when you can. Mm-hmm. And then if you're doing, if you're the best at what you are, then you can be like, hey buddy, you got to work on this on your blocking. But until then, like you shouldn't say anything, which is like what you're saying. Like until you know who you are how you act, like kind of everything who you are, you shouldn't be saying people like, hey, you should fix this. Yeah. Because like, what if you haven't fixed that? And yeah. And then they're just like, hey, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, I watch you do this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, I don't do it. You do it. 
<laughs> but so it's just like you just have to be the best you can be. Just be your best self. Mm-hmm. And then you can reach out to other people. And I think that's where it'll more positivity will come out of because they realize, hey, they're doing this really well. I've seen it. I've watched them do it. I'll try it as well. And then that's how like you can grow from that. Yeah. I think that was the that was the most interesting experience that I had with my Achilles was that after that happened, because I'd always I'd always um kind of preached the whole Zen mind yeah. bullshit or whatever. And then after that it was like, whew, like I gotta I gotta live this stuff now. Like now that this has happened, I've really gotta realize like nothing special and like flow with time and flow with change and transiency. The only consistent in life is change. I think that was a pretty difficult thing to happen. A pretty difficult thing to realize within the first two or three weeks was like, okay, you're not, this isn't just something that you can kind of shy away from. Like you've preached this stuff. Now you actually have to do it so that you can continue to teach people this stuff and continue to preach it. And it was a part of your life before. So, I mean, you see people do that all the time where, I mean, parents do that a lot where like do as I say, not as I do. And they'll, and that's like a really, really unfortunate thing to see is when people are hypocrites about that kind of stuff. And it's like, like, oh, don't smoke. And then someone goes and smokes a pack of darts a day. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you expect me to learn from you if I can't observe you doing that thing as well? So I think that was probably the toughest thing for me was th- that was the toughest realization in terms of ideologies was, okay, well, now I have to actually have to live this way and not just like curl over because that's, that's always an option is just to... Yeah. Well, life life's hard. Time yeah. to curl over and curl up into a ball and just not be here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, like I honestly haven't experienced anything like that, so I can't really relate that much. Like I've had injuries, but nothing that just sets me back. Okay, to the point you're at. I just remember watching in the summer just you slowly going on the decline with like Achilles, then work. It's just like compounding things. It's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like now watching you like slowly come back on the rise. It's just like, you can tell, like you can see the progress and how you really like went in internal. Now you're moving like more external. It's just like, oh shit. So now it's just like, well, like I, I realized like the, that's something that would be healthy to do. But I also, I think your Achilles break was getting pretty close to rock bottom. Oh yeah. With also losing your job. I think that is just so many things and you're just like, you're just like, okay, screw it. Like it's time to build up. Yeah. I haven't hit that point. So I can't quite do that to the same extent, mm-hmm. but it was just, it was very interesting to see and watch. I think the relationship was the worst part. I think so. Just how it went down. It yeah. just looked, it looked awful. It was, it was just a, <laughs> it was a fun summer. I think that, um, in terms of, it was actually a really, really weird, um, like introversion, extroversion paradigm shift throughout the whole thing. Cause like after, after the relationship, it was like, well, I became like super extroverted and yeah. used people for energy. And then after coming back from Mexico in the winter became like super introverted and was like, okay, well now I don't need other people as much so I can be more internal. Cause I think I just like same thing with the individualization process. I think I just came to a point where I was like, okay, I know who I am again. Yeah. Like kind of went through that whole ego death stage and then was like, all right, now I'm starting to figure out who I am, which was cool. But yeah, I think that, um, I think that it's always really cool to get advice from people who are really 
fucking good at stuff. Yeah. But like you said, if you're not the best at something, then like on our team, if you're not if you're not better than the person that you're giving feedback to, it's like shut your mouth. Yeah. Like if you're, and at, I I try to accept feedback from everyone as much as I can because I think that it's like necessary. But in terms of how easy it is to accept feedback from people in an ego sense, like if someone's really good at something, it's really easy to take feedback from them. Yeah. But I think you can learn a little bit from everyone. Yeah. Like if. If Smitty comes over and says something to me about passing, I'm like, okay, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But if he comes over to me and says something about blocking, I'm kind of like, ah, shut, your, shut your little bitch mouth. I know you got those four blocks that one time, <laughs> but... Like, I know you're blocking God, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, and like... Oh, man, how do we relate this back? So I've got to find a superhero to relate this kind of mold through. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, like, honestly, like uh, like a Captain Marvel... Like figuring out who she is, they're like, "Hey, we gave you this power, but it's like, no, I know how I got this." Like, yeah, you're only human, yeah. And then it's just like you could see it's like a switch went off, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, you like she's like, I know who I am, and it was just like actually like boom, quite literally she like caught fire, yeah. <laughs> but like it's like that whole thing. It's like I don't think we're gonna catch fire. Like you didn't catch fire, but it was just like you knew who you were, and then it was like an explosion of like your personality. And you could almost say in a sense, like, her power was her personality being like, this is who I am, like, like step step up, like, let's go. Yeah. So, it's just, it was cool cool to see in the movie how it was like, you, like, before related to Dumbo, like, hey, you don't always need the feather, mm-hmm. it's just who you are. It's like, yeah, like, when you find out who you are, it's just, like, an actual burst of, like, your personality confidence it's just like something it's a completely different person yeah it, it totally changes you and when, once you realize who you are everything just kind of clicks in yeah You're like oh i don't need to hang out with these people anymore and i don't need to do this anymore because i hated doing that and i yeah. don't need to do this and that and i can do this now because i really like doing that and i don't really care what people think about me but the, on, the, on the captain marvel i think her superpower throughout the whole movie was just perseverance and yeah. i think that's what the that's what that whole scene was with her growing up as a kid and just like always getting up. That was her thing. She just always got up. Yeah. No matter what. She would get her ass kicked. Get up. And then at the end where she blasts the Kree guy, she's like, I don't need to prove anything to you. Yeah. Like, I don't need to kick your ass with all my powers. I don't need to prove anything to you. You really don't need to prove anything to anyone. And that's what the end of the individualization process is. is yep. Like, Okay. Now I can do things that I want to do because I want to do them. Not because other people want me to. Not because I have to. Just because it's who I am. Yeah. It's just like, I am me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's always, it's cool to see because it's like, like, you're who you are. And it's like, well, like people are like, oh man, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like, all right, cool. Never see him again. Yeah. Have a good life. Yeah. I don't need you. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it's cool to see because it's healthy. It's yeah. Like, yeah. You're just like shedding off. Like just dark past stuff, and you're just like, yeah, that happened, but this is me. I'm like, it's like a phoenix being reborn from the ashes. Yeah, throw some Harry Potter there. Cool, Harry Potter. The new, the new X Men movie is gonna be pretty cool. I'm excited for. Oh, that. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, and like in that movie, just from like the trailer, it's like the accident that happened, where she caused it, and then um, oh, oh I forgot the Xavier. Scott. Uh no no um, is it Xavier? Gene? Oh Charles Xavier. Charles Xavier. Yeah. 
like hid that past because he was scared that she would hurt herself and others. Mm-hmm. And now this whole movie's based on the fact that she realized what happened and all this inner anger, rage. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't know who she is and it's, everything's just exploding out of her and she's just literally destroying everything. I think that's what the movie's based on. Just like you can't hide from your past. Yeah. And if you, if you try to hide from your past and you realize and you realize later on, then you become Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Like if you try to hide from all the stuff that you do, yeah. that's just so unhealthy. Like realize how shitty you have been as a human being, accept it, move past it, become better. Yeah. And I, I just think because it's cool because you can like, kind of get that much from like the trailer and just explain it. Like imagine the movie, what the movie's going to ex- show you mm-hmm. and explain to us through the entire like Marvel verse with the X-Men and like the younger version. And I, I'm actually so excited to watch the movie. Just I'm like, this is going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still just so excited for second phase of Marvel universe. Cause we, yeah, oh, we, yeah. we talked about that earlier, how it's um, phase one was a lot of the Stanley characters developed like Captain America, um, Steve, Steve Rogers, same, same, but um, Steve Rogers, Iron Man, the Hulk, Characters that weren't necessarily super far-fetched and out of the realm of possibilities. It was honestly kind of really similar to DC. Yeah. Just in the sense that they weren't absurdly imaginative characters, but it's just like this hero that's super patriotic and goes into a lab and everything gets enhanced. And this super genius who is able to create this cool suit and save the world. Yeah. And then it went into the second phase of, I, I forget his name, but it was this, it was, um, it was, the second phase of Marvel was basically this guy that they were running out of ideas and him and this other guy went into a building and just did lysergic acid and psilocybin, which is mushrooms and LSD, and then came up with all these crazy-ass characters like um, the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, like Doctor Strange and um, Black Panther. Yeah. And they used a lot of the, the Black Panther... Because that's actually a tribe within Africa, is the Black Panther tribe, and they they derive that power from the Black Panther mushroom, and I, I think that that's really really cool how they're starting. That's going to be the second phase of Marvel is these crazy imaginative characters. That's the same thing as Guardians of the Galaxy, like, yeah. sa- same guy, that that whole, and I think that's where Marvel really blew up in terms of the comic books was when they started to use these super far fetched characters that everyone's like, and I guess that was a like a psychedelic awakening within history as well as that in the sixties, everyone started doing LSD and there's yeah. like a, a psycho, a, a psycho psychological awakening, sexual awakening, and all, just all this stuff accumulated into the, these comic books, yeah. which was really, really cool. We talked earlier about the, the black Panther tribe and how the black Panther was this super duper amazing movie in terms of giving giving non-Caucasian actors an awesome jump-off platform yeah. for their careers. Yeah. And it's just like showing new culture. Like then we also talked about going into like um, uh, like Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Like just like that same kind of idea but with a different culture and just the exploration of cultures and how, uh, and how like, like movies – like Netflix movies and uh, even just social media is like giving people this new gateway to different cultures and like an easier access. So we like, we can just like 
I mean, if it's portrayed correctly, learn. But like, even just experience, like, hey, this is different from what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Let's like explore this more. Yeah. And like, it could, I like, I'm not speaking for myself, but it could be like, some people are like, hey, I want to go travel there and like actually check that out. Like, mm-hmm. is that a real place kind of thing? Like, you know, Wakanda, I didn't realize is actually real. And so it's like, that's super cool. Like, that'd be really cool to go there and just experience what it's actually like. Yeah. And see if they took like pieces of that area and actually use the movie in it and if you can actually tie like hey i was here like hey like that i remember that shot i remember that mountain kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think it'd be really cool and just you could broaden your whole sense of different cultures and even like change your beliefs and certain things yeah like it's just it can broaden everybody's knowledge by something so simple as just like a movie yeah and i think that's the that's the coolest thing about how movies are becoming a more mainstream platform for a, a, like a mind expansion. The idea that you can go and watch documentaries on food with Anthony Bourdain or strange that big strange rock or whatever, yeah. and you can learn so much about the world and other cultures. And it's I think it's just normalizing everything. It's normalizing everything to an extent that like we're always afraid of what the unknown is. And so we see other cultures and stuff. And we're like, Oh, what a bunch of savage people. Yeah. But then the more that we're exposed to those cultures and the more that we can see that stuff, the more tantalizing it is almost that you, you kind of go, Oh, cool. That's a really, really neat idea. And I'd like to explore that more. And I think that's why, that's why, that's why people are becoming more multi-religious. Yeah. And I think that's why people are be, like wanting to travel a lot more is because they realize that, like this, there might not be a right way to do things, but what we're doing might not be some people's right way. And it might be yeah. other people's right way, which is really, really good for them that they've been born into a culture that's the right way. But yeah. if you can go to other cultures and by learning about other cultures through social media and through mass media like television and social media and YouTube, it's really, really easy to watch something and go, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that before. And then you can educate and be educated consistently and i just think it's a really really good relationship with media they were able to learn stuff from other cultures and not have it be a super taboo thing because it is terrible like the unknown is just super scary oh yeah okay i'm gonna take a quick break all right Okay. 
What do you think your individualization process has been through, like, volleyball and Wolfpack? Because you've changed the, like, obviously, like, I think everyone changes exponentially. As yeah. they, especially through school. But it's, like, things that you've learned by well, being an athlete. Like, just especially coming in, like, first year, I was just like, oh, yeah, volleyball is, like, awesome. Like, volleyball is my life. And it was just, like, kind of just being, like, I don't really know how to act around these guys. So it's just, like, all right, I'll see what the team's like. And, like, kind of going into second year. Like, I would say first year was, like, of course, you know, the greatest year so far because just everything's new. Mm-hmm. Great team. And I just learned, like, going through second year, like, it's like, just losing almost every single game. Just, like, how, like, shitty that feels. And it's just, like, you just don't really care about anything anymore. Yeah. And that, like, also affected my school. Like, my schooling just tanks. So I was just like, this is all pointless. And then, and then like, in third year, when, like, like Dobby, like, Tim Dobbert came. And, like, honestly, in Lando as well. Like, Lando Curry, when he showed up, and they just had, like, that different mindset than we all had. Because we just kind of just endured this. We, we were a bunch of losers. Like, like, totally. Like, it was just such a long season of, like... I'm just like a loser. I don't feel like doing anything. And then they just kind of like, they didn't have that mindset and it was like a fresh, like, like almost a startup again. It's like, okay, like let's, like let's go, not even just with volleyball, but like just with life, with mm-hmm. schools. Like, hey, let's get going again. I, I realize there's more to life than just volleyball, but like I just want to like start attacking again. Um, And so like it was like that whole mentality, like right, I'm just going to go at everything. Like this is awesome. And it wasn't till this past break that I was just kind of like, uh, I was hanging out at home. Like we had two weeks off, like the most we've had off in a while. Yeah. And I was, um, I was like, I was actually making knives and like doing like grinding stuff and working with that. And I was just like, holy crap, like this is awesome. Like this is like, I have to think, but I work with my hands. This is amazing. And I just realized that I didn't enjoy school enough to really attack it with that same mentality mm-hmm. and this entire second semester has been like it's still that same with volleyball like just me being like i love this team like i feel a part of it but realizing as a person that i'm not into school mm-hmm. into the like the the mainstream schooling of sitting in a classroom all day and learning right so it's just like that personal growth of realizing like like volleyball has always been there constant for me and just realizing after losing to winning, like realize the mentality that I have to come and attack things with, as well as it's just everything's a grind. It's mm-hmm. always it's gonna be so like, you got to put like a hundred percent effort, and to get better, to get like ten percent better, you got to do like fifty percent more. So it, it, it's just realizing that like in volleyball is kind of obviously like our team has taken great lengths from where we were, so it's shown in that aspect. And so, like, for schooling, for me, it's just been, like, well, I'm not as interested in what I'm doing. I want to find, like, a new angle. And so I'm very interested in going to trades because I realize I got to work with my hands because that's kind of how I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. my dad's trades, kind of contractor, construction guy. So that aspect's like, oh, I love, like, working with stuff. But there's the same aspect. My mom, like, in school, she's working with kids. So it's like, I love, I think that would be a, a great section for me to go to. And so it's just always been like that battle of like, like, oh, I really want to work with people, but then also like, oh, I really want to work more like a harder job. So like 
luckily I've always had volleyball to keep me kind of going on yeah. one side, but it's just always been that internal struggle. And so I realized like I love to work with people, but I also don't want to go through all the schooling that it would take to do that. I yeah. realized that, that I don't have that drive. Whereas for working like more construction or like as a contractor, I do get to work with people, not to in the same sense as like helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more realistic for me to get there through taking like just an extra two years of school and then being able to like just dive right into it where to go through school, I need like four years plus probably another two. And then I could slowly build into like that job where I can dive into this one. So it's just been like, it's taken me like four years of taking copious amounts of random classes to really figure out that like, Hey, I love like I'm in psych, I love psychology, but I love this more. Like yeah. we're like the labor kind of hand skills work more. But the one good thing is volleyball has always been there. Mm-hmm. So it's been constant and like just learning from like working with other guys on the team, all the life lessons we learn, like, just people being like, oh, you you know, if you take this honors course, you'll get to learn how to work with people. Okay, I already know how to do that. Yeah. You know, like, you'll learn all these skills. But it's like, well, I already know that. So it's like, we already have that upper hand, but I just need to figure out the other half of my life as in school mm-hmm. to kind of go along with that. So, I don't know, it's been like a crazy growth. I think the most has been this year, in my fourth year. Honestly, just because watching what you went through and how you grew and changed, being like, hey, I should also look at what I'm doing. Because, like, I was like, oh, always happy. I'm not unhappy being here. Mm. I think I'm very privileged to be here. But I just realized it's not what I want most. So it's been a big growth year. And it's exciting because then going into next year, I realize I know what I have to do. So mm. it's like, okay, now I can take steps in order to get there. Which is a really, like, it's a great feeling because I know what I need to do. Which I haven't really had that feeling before. It's just kind of been like, yeah, you know, I'll work out, go to practice, go to class. But now it's like, okay, no, I need, I need to eat this so I can attain this. So I had, like, food is, and meals most important to get for lifting. Yeah. Lifting to get stronger for next year. And then mentally, if I can mentally check in and maintain, like, a constant habitual kind of, cycle throughout the entire summer then mentally i'll be stronger for the volleyball season being able to like all right i have to stay this and just attain like a certain level so i know that's going to build and then for school wise be like all right i need to go in this direction i need to sign up for this and then i'll just in the same sense work habits of like all right study this study this this certain amount of day and then i can achieve what i want kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it's just been the realization that it comes down to a big thing is just habits, positive habits, and just kind of slowly working out all those negative aspects of like watching Netflix till 1 a.m. Yeah. Like a big negative, like social media. Yeah. Like coming out, like watching lots of Netflix, always being on my phone. Like I've deleted most of my, um, I've deleted most of my social apps because I realized like, why am I on my phone this much? There's time killers. It just kills so much time when I just, like, I'm studying and it's like, well, I'm really bored. And I just go on and sit on my phone. It's like, well, I just wasted 15 minutes where I could have been reading, like, my textbook, but I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, small things that I've just slowly learned. And now it's, most of it's starting to really kind of pile up and be like, hey, like, starting to hit me in the face. Like, hey, you kind of got to step it up a bit. So 
I think like I've learned so much from school, but I've learned kind of most like how I've done all these things. Like I realized, okay, hey, I don't want to do this. I now know what I want to do. Yeah. So. It's just kind of weird. I think the trades are looked down upon quite a bit in yeah. academia, but I think that they're just such, those things aren't going away. Like no. low level lawyers, you're, you're fucked. <clears throat> if you're a low level lawyer, we're, we're figuring out ways that you don't, you don't need to hire a lawyer to go and read through a bunch of stuff. Like, there are lots of jobs that are happening now that are slowly going to get taken over by in, like artificial intelligence, not even artificial intelligence, just electronics. Yeah. But being a plumber, being an electrician, like those are never going away. Yeah. Those are things that we're going to need for a really, really long time. Those finite motor control actions. Yeah. I, I, I think that after I finish my degree, I'll probably end up getting a trades degree just because I find it unbelievably interesting. Like, yeah. I think it's so, so cool. And I think that having those skills is vastly underrated. Like yeah. I, like my, my brother became a plumber and I think it's one of the smartest things in the world. Like just what a, what a great idea. And I, and in, in terms of phones and stuff, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot actually. And I think that it's a really easy flight response in terms of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, really easy way to just escape problems um yeah i was talking to vince about his dad when we were in hamilton and he was talking about how when his dad passed away anytime he started to think about he would naturally just reach for his phone and i thought that was super duper interesting because anytime anytime that we're faced with a difficult situation now we have that ability of fight or flight it's really really difficult to fight but it's really easy to flee and a, a phone is just a really easy way to flee from any situation ever you can just escape reality and go into your phone for a little bit and it makes you feel better for a while because it is a, a dopamine drug. Yeah. And then that makes you feel good. But then after the fact, it's that same thing about if you if you don't face yourself, if you don't face who you are and what you've done, then that's really, really bad. That in, in terms of the long the longevity of your personality, then it just becomes this consistently it becomes a perpetual thing of you're just eating yourself. Yeah. And if you just go on your phone anytime that shit gets hard, like some like you break up with someone and you just go on your phone all the time and live through your social media or someone passes away and you go through your phone or you're doing homework and you just go on your phone all the time. Those are just ways to, those are ways that you're epigenetically reinforcing and just consistently going back to those things and reinforcing those habits in your mind that it's super duper unhealthy. Yeah. And it's, really healthy to put your phone down and real and i think of whole i think a big missing piece of that is education and as opposed to just telling kids like you goddamn kids get off your phone there should be a type of understanding that we develop for the lower generation because that's just that's the norm well it's like you look at a kid in grade seven now he's got an iphone 10 yeah it's like man when i was in grade seven i didn't even have a phone like i was like in our history of childhood education like she was like what did you she want us to define childhood mm-hmm. and i define it as going out and making a lot of mistakes and getting in a lot of trouble but then learning from that because that's what i did i was yeah. like hey i'll go climb through someone's yard and then like, you get yelled at <laughs> it's like oh, you can't do that it's like oh okay like we climb on someone's roof you can't do that really you guys climbed yeah. on someone's oh yeah roof? me and my buddy just climbed on everything <laughs> in our neighborhood we were all everywhere and they're like you can't do this like oh okay and so, like, that's how I learned. And mm-hmm. then my parents are also just like, hey, like, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Like, so they, like, kind of guide us in that sense. And it's just like, oh, okay. 
I think that's the best way, like trial and error. Mm. Just like, but now kids are just going to be on their phone and they're going to miss out on those. Like everybody does childhood differently, but they're going to miss out, I think, on some very fundamental things like making mistakes, learning from like getting their hands dirty, scraping their knees. Mm-hmm. Like my kneecaps are like slightly chipped. I'm just like doing, jumping around and like landing and very poorly. <laughs> the classic like toes to knees fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, I don't think, like I, we're, we're still fairly young, but I just think it's like that sudden of a difference that like even like from our age to like now people in first year, such a different language mm-hmm. even. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy to look back and actually think about that because we're just still so young. Like, yeah. You can't imagine what our parents think. Now, like, looking at it, just being like, oh, wow, how things have gone. I think we're definitely the tail end of, we're, like, just in between computer literate and computer overtaken. Yeah. We're, like, in that perfect age range where we kind of have a choice, and I don't think a lot of those kids have a choice. Yeah. Which is just unfortunate. I was even talking to Kara about it, and she was like, man, your generation. I was like, really? You're going to generalize to me? I mean, I'm pretty... I'm pretty anti all this bullshit. But, yeah. But it is. It really is. We are at the age where maybe I'd say like 80% of the people within our age group are quite tied to their phones. And then yeah. maybe 20% are off their phones. But it's definitely the, the further the further along in the subcultures that you get where like I, I, I like to see age as like a multifaceted subculture that the further down you go and the younger people get, it's like you're more and more just stuck to your phone. Just culturally yeah it's not even it's not a choice yeah and then and then usually you see some parents are like nope not a chance you're not getting your phone and you see those kids and they're very they're more so outgoing and they're usually in sports and stuff because their parents are like now nah, you're they almost force them into doing it yeah but at the same time the kid then learn learns more skills how to interact a little better like in a more positive manner and of course just being on a team you learn how to how to cope with people, like how to lead, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I think there's definitely the, still those people out there, like in the younger generation, but it is also more like everybody's got an iPad. And yeah. Like iPhone kind of thing. It's just a much more frequent gift. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you see like a Nerf gun or something like that. Yeah. It's just like, it's like kind of going with the times. It's mm-hmm. like everything's going towards technology and like that's the best gift you can give someone. Which is, you know, too bad. Yeah, just like so much, so much is put on items when items really aren't what people need. No, you. I think you realize that more and more as you grow older. Yeah, and I think that we're coming to a. It's becoming a little bit of a paradigm shift that people are realizing. Oh, having a big house and having, having money and cars and awesome stuff like that. Like that's not the be all end all, and I think that's why the whole minimalist thing. That's like the paradigm shift is. Everyone wants everything, all the money, materialistic, and then on the other side is um, the uh, minimalist lifestyle, yeah. where you have a tiny house, and that's becoming more and more of a lifestyle that people want to explore, because I think people are starting to realize that. And I think that that, that also comes into where our parents were before. Yeah, like I think that each, each generation shifts a little bit until we kind of get some stuff right, and after the Great Depression, baby boomers had a lot of stuff. And yeah. then the parents after that were, the, the generation after that was like a little bit in between. And now we're, we're still, we're still kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Which is interesting to see. 
Yeah, no, it's... Well, and it's also interesting seeing people that have a lot of stuff. And then you realize, like, like you can relate it back to, uh, like, Batman, like, Bruce Wayne money isn't everything. Like, Mm -hmm. he's miserable, but he's one of the richest men in the world. Like, Keanu Reeves. Man, I was just thinking about him. Yeah, he's, like, been... He was through so much stuff, like, with his... I think his parents left. His mother died, his, like, father left or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if this is actually like quite true, but then I know his sister had cancer and was saved, and he donated like seventy percent of his uh, matrix earnings to like that hospital and for the research. I think the matrix earnings he donated like the majority of that to his to the CGI group, but I think that his gross income a lot oh, of it was okay. yeah was to the hospital. Yeah, and then and he lives in like a four bedroom house, takes a subway to work. Yeah, like just someone who realizes there's so much more to life because he's lost so much. Like he's hit like that pretty bottom pit, mm-hmm. and he just realizes there's so much more to life than money. And it's really cool to see because like coming from me, I really don't have a whole lot of money. And like at this point in time, I think money's quite I value quite high because I'm just trying to survive in society. But at the same time, it's like, it's it's obviously not everything. Like, there's so much more experiences you can do. Yeah. But it's tough because everybody's valuing money so much more now that it's like, oh, to go, like, see a movie now, it's like, oh, you got to pay 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. To go, like, do a whole bunch of stuff now, it costs money. But in reality, if you just wanted to go into the wilderness, that doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. You just disappear kind of thing. Yeah. I think once you can survive, you start to thrive. Yeah. And I, same thing with money. First thing, you have enough money to do all the things that you, the baseline you want to do. I'm not like I'm not talking going and buying a new Ferrari, but going and seeing a movie and not having to worry about it. Yeah. Buying all the food that you want, like organics and stuff like that, yeah. without having to worry about it. Those are the. I, mean, I think I've taken more of a step in that direction of like, I'm not going to say no to going and grabbing a beer with someone because I'm worried about money. Like, yeah. Regardless of where I'm at, as long as I can make it a feasible thing and actually understand that. I'm not going to starve to death by going and grabbing a beer with this person. Then I can rationalize it quite well. But like before the summer, I think Hannah taught me that actually. She was like, you're really, really like, I like to use the word frugal. But she was like, you're pretty stingy with your money. Yeah, I'm really good with money. Yeah. Because I grew up in a really poor household. So I know how to make, I know how to make a dollar last a month. Yeah. Like literally, I've, I've lived on like 25 cents. It was like 63, 67 cents for like four months. Yeah. I'm just like finding other ways to, to get stuff. So I, now it's like, yeah, money's money. Like I'm going to, I'm going to die one day. I'm not going to be able to take any of that with me. That's the Elon Musk, um, Bill Gates. And I forget the other guy's name, but the crazy investor two two hundred billion dollars in the account. First thing they like each of them die. 99% 99% of their gross income goes just directly to this account that's strictly for the betterment of the world. Yeah. What a cool concept. There's just so much money. Absurd. Like, incredible. Yeah. But the only concern is, like, if it's actually used properly, mm-hmm. which is, like, a scary thought that if, like, whoever's access to it just doesn't use it for the betterment. Well, there was this, um, there's a guy that wrote a book called How to Make the World a Better Place with $75 billion. And it was, I think that he put together 10, I want to say 10 councils of um, economists that did a cross-benefit analysis of ways that you can use, like they were each given theoretically, hypothetically, 
75 billion dollars and they're like make the greatest inco- impact that you can that you can with this money based on the UN's 200 goals which is just an absurd amount of goals but whatever yeah. um and it came down i think the second one was uh malnourishment just it was like it was like 12 billion dollars oh. to stop malnourishment uh, there was a certain there was a certain deficiency that the majority of people had within malnourished countries that resulted in a deficiency in brain development. But I think that's, there's certain things that can propel society to a pretty crazy extent. And that along that is equality of opportunity. Um, if women are in the workforce as much as men, then the economy just booms. And that that's proven through any equality of opportunity um, country. Yeah. It's that first thing, quality of opportunity coming. You have, Fifty percent of the people working and using their intelligence to per- to propel the world, like it's just going to be absurd. We've been working at fifty percent for a very very long time. If we can utilize that other fifty percent of the population, we're going to fly. Yeah. Same thing with brain development. If we can if we can op if we can optimize the intelligence quotient of everyone in the world, everyone gets a little bit smarter, and everyone is a little bit smarter then that's just going to keep it just it just becomes a perpetual thing. Yeah. It just becomes exponential growth. It's just getting to that stage. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's the most difficult part. Yeah. Just realizing like like oh, this will better us but just being like some people are just being too stubborn. Mm-hmm. Just be like no, that's not a thing. It's like no. The world's changing. So yeah. You got to change with it. Like and that's just the base. I think that's a big struggle going through right now. Because we still have those, we still have people who are very set in old ways, traditional, like no, like kind of men run things. Mm-hmm. But in, when in reality, it's like no, women are more than capable capable of doing so everything and, and more than like what guys are doing. Yeah, and I think because there's so much more driven too. Like in my history class, a uh, a girl did one of her presentations on her family. And it was how her, every female in her family, and she's a uh, First Nation, um, like her aunt got her PhD. So they're very academic. And mm-hmm. it was all the women are just because there's, and if somebody asked like, well, why is it just the women's side? And she's like, because one of the treaties, like, you know, of course, it was like, yeah, no, women aren't people. So like, they held them back, but then it, it got corrected. Mm-hmm. And she's like, there's just that drive. And so I think women are just so much more driven than men to just go for it because like the way the world's been going in the past years, it's like, they've been held back so much. Yeah. Like, no, like you belong doing more domestic jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, well, they can do so much. It's like, we just got to let them. Yeah. It seems like homeostatic rebound that it's like, no, 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 no. Yes. And then yes, just becomes this huge exponential yeah. growth. It's like, holy shit. They just had that opportunity. If they had that opportunity the whole time, yeah, it'd be a very, very different place. Yeah, it's and it's just people just need to realize, like, um, I I don't know. I've I've always been. I don't believe that men are better than women. I honestly think the contrary. Men are worse. We make a lot more mistakes and do yeah. a lot more stupid things. But it's just tough to see that people are just like, no, like we can't give women these opportunity, but. Like it's it's a pretty touchy subject to get into, but I just believe that women are fully capable of doing everything a man is. I think 
I think they're just a lot better at doing. They're yeah. a lot. It's, it's it, it goes both ways. Men are better at some stuff. Women are better at some stuff. Yeah. And that's there are studies that prove that. It's it's just a it's a proven thing. Yeah. Women are much better with people. Men are much better with tools. Like STEM STEM field, men do better, and personality field, women do better. And that's why they're like ninety percent nurses within TRU, and that's why within the STEM field, it's like ninety percent men. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. To to me, all I care about is that whoever's doing the job is the best at doing the job. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if all the men in the world do one job as long as they're better than everyone else at that job. Like, I just want competence to be the number one determinant of yeah. who's running the shit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool to see because it's like you're just seeing so much more stuff. Like, like men now are also like getting more into nursing, which mm-hmm. is awesome to see. Yeah. Like, I, I remember I was in there in emergency one time for, uh, I think it was for like concussion or something, and there was this one dude nurse, and he was yoked. And this guy dislocated his shoulder snowboarding, and he goes in, and then this big nurse walks in. He's like, "Oh, is this the motherfucker that's gonna pop her back in?" <laughs> oh God! I was like, I just like, oh nice, because <laughs> this guy's like in agony, and this huge nurse just walks in. <laughs> so it's just really cool, and you see like more and more women, more in like trades and stuff, mm-hmm. and excelling because it's like, yes, they can do it. Like everybody's a little different than each other. I like, think it's just a matter of interest. Yeah, and like interests are part. so different. So it's really cool to see, and like even more like uh, mainstream stuff. Like you see, Marvel's doing a lot more. Like now, Captain Marvel is a woman as a lead. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a big step. Even uh, like Black Panther, like a lot more female roles and also minority roles. Are you saying that about Black Widow too? Or not Black Widow? Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. That I heard that they actually were p- the two main characters. Paul Rudd, I actually don't know her name, but they were paid like equal wages. Mm -hmm. It's like, these are big steps. It's sad that it's 2019 and this is happening, but like it's big steps and it's amazing to see. Realistically, we're, we're catching up at a pretty, pretty substantial rate. Yeah. This has only been going on since the sixties. Yeah. And I think that like, it's been 60 years and I think that we're, we're getting to a pretty good place now and it's, it's just becoming better and better and better. Yeah, and I think that it's it, it's taken a while, but at the same time, I think people have to step back and like, progress doesn't happen overnight, and the fact that progress is happening this quickly was like a pretty amazing thing. Let's just keep pushing. Yeah, that, that's all that you can really ask for. Yeah, I think Trudeau, I disagree with the whole fifty percent of the cabinet being women and men. Like, I don't think that it should necessarily be that black and white. I think that it's a little bit more gray, and that it should be a, a model of competence as opposed to sexism. Yeah, but I think that I, th- I think he's doing some pretty cool stuff with other countries. As a, he's developing really, really good relationships with other countries, which I find yeah interesting because yeah, the, like you said earlier, people are really stuck in the ways of no, this is how it is. Uh, we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of other people. But when you look at it in a like geographical, sociological perspective, we need other countries yeah to progress with us. And then if that happens, then if everyone in the world is progressing, like if everyone in the world is at their highest intelligence quotient and at the the highest equality of opportunity for men and women, like man, the the shit that we're gonna do is just crazy. Yeah, it's it's cool to see you kind of be a part of it, uh, and just know like like yeah, you know like it's stuff is changing, 
like fairly fast if you put it in like big spectrum. Mm-hmm. Seems kind of slow like to to us, but like in a big spectrum, it's like no, it's actually happening quite quickly. Yeah, but it's just like it's got to just keep happening though. Mm-hmm. That is the thing, and I think that there's always people that you you see like Trudeau takes a lot of heat for literally everything he does. Yeah, I don't really pay attention too much to the political world, but like I believe he is doing some good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also other figures not quite in politics, but just like like some feminist movements are probably doing great things that I don't really know a whole lot about, but. Like, everybody plays their role. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of has a role. Just like on a team, like, everybody has their role. Yeah. And it's just, like, kind of figuring out what your role is and doing just the best that you can at the time, mm-hmm. honestly. So, I, it's, it's tough. I don't know a whole lot about politics. But I, I think it's cool how we're uh, progressing. Yeah. It is a matter of just play your role. Figure out what your role is play it to the best of your ability that's all you can ask for that's all anyone can ask for yeah just like who is the strongest avenger <laughs> who is that role <laughs> that was such a good scene like strongest avenger what was his actual um i forget strongest avenger nope nope and bruce banner walks up strongest avenger welcome bruce banner <laughs> what come on yeah, that's so funny. And then, but it's like Captain Marvel shows up. Like, is she gonna be pro- programmed in all the databases? Like, or she's gonna have to shoot her way into the like a locked door, just explode the handle, <laughs> and just enter and do whatever she wants. How powerful she was! So cool, so yeah. OP. Yeah. Oh my! I just love the scene where she blows up the the ship and then just boom, like, and just like light shoot out. The guy's just like. All right, let's retreat. It's like fuck off, Ronan. Yeah, which is cool because Ronan never really fucks off ever. Yeah, and it's kind of cool how they showed him in that sense where he was still part of the Kree, but then mm-hmm. he went much more. He's like a radical Kree. Yeah, much more radical later. He's got like the paint on the eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool to see. Like, I hope they do more Marvel movie, like Captain Marvel movies, and go in the sense like her battling the Kree. Because I, I just think it'd be really cool to learn more about what the Kree actually did. Yeah, there's there's so many cool, like fractions within the Marvel universe that different planets and stuff like that, and I think that was that was cool about DC's um, Green Lantern as well. Yeah, not not, not the movie because that was kind of garbage, but just the the comic books of how vast the universe really was, and having having like a Green Lantern core that just goes and fucks shit up all over the universe. Yeah, like super cool idea. To at Ryan Reynolds. Oh, took a pretty big hit on that one, I think. I was what glad a, I, I was glad he got into the Deadpool. Yeah. Just kind of saved his superhero. What a yeah, he he really killed it. He was like the perfect Deadpool as well. Oh, which is just amazing. His comedy action just rippedness. Yeah. Honestly. He, just a beautiful human being. <laughs> Holy Yeah. Um, right, but it is a good see. You wanna you wanna kill this? That was yeah, pretty solid. That was good. I'm, I'm sad that we uh, that we lost. Ah! We lost we... like an hour and a half, but of some yeah, that was tough. That was like some good natural, beautiful content. Yeah, I think we I think we pivoted pretty well and talked about other stuff, but still dagger. All right, come here. Yeah.